You know, very long time ago, this group of sailors got together. They knew the way to the new world. And they had uh, people who were interested in going with them. So they provisioned voyages and got their ships in order. And they had a little packet service where they ferried people across the Atlantic to South America. They got them situated and they went back for more. And those people were on their own to make it. And that was 40 million years ago. And those people were monkeys. You know, the advent of monkeys in South America was uh, always a mystery to scientists. They suddenly arrived about 40 million years ago, you know, well after continental drift had separated the continents and could have, uh, you know, carried other species. They didn't evolve there. There was no, you know, there was no, uh, there were no primate antecedents for them to have evolved from. They just suddenly show up. Suddenly one day there's a fossil record of them. And there was a theory of drift for a long time that they had got on some grass mats and drifted apart and it would have taken a few months and they would have all died. So they either knew which way to drift and how much food to bring along with them or they sailed. That's right. South America was populated by monkeys through the concerted efforts of a monkey armada. So hats off to you, monkey sailors. I like to think of the little guys with the hold fast tattooed to their tiny knuckles. You know, I was in class one day and one of my, one of my students came in and said, Hey, uh, Brown, you're a sailor. Did you know that monkeys sailed to South America 40 million years ago? I'm like, yeah, I did. I've seen them in their little sailor costumes with their tiny parrots on their shoulders. You know, I read the articles and got interested. I, I consider this young man to be the, um, you know, co-admiral of the monkey armada. So, you know who you are. Ahoy there, matey. You know, I, I, as, as you know um, from the podcast, I'm very interested in the origins of language. Um, I'm uh, I'm interested in the origins of tools, and and I've uh, and I've you know learned that some of the earliest tools were boat building tools, and it seems that some of our most ancient primate impulses um, are to get into a boat and to go over the horizon. We're talking about forty million years ago when these primates took off, and you know humans. The earliest, you know, unequivocal humanoids, I guess we're calling them, were from about four million years ago. So by the time, you know, primates evolved into, into what we're calling humans or however that process worked, they had already inherited the voyaging gene. And it was something as basic and elemental to us as human beings as anything else. Language itself seems to have co-evolved with the urge to voyage. And I think that that's fascinating. And probably with music, too. And maybe that's why I'm interested in those things. I'm maybe interested in just the most basic and elemental stuff. Because, you know, despite being an academic and having an education, I 
fairly slow on the uptake when it comes right down to it. It turns out that science has often defaulted to rafting as a, an explanation for the advent of something somewhere. And, you know, someone just climbed onto a raft and it showed up in another place. And it makes a certain amount of sense. Um, but, you know, the question of when a raft becomes a boat uh, is an open one. I mean, I, th <laughs> I think that the minute you try to direct its movement, uh, you're on a boat, not on a raft. And I guess maybe conversely, if you're in a boat and you don't know how to make it go and it just drifts around, then you're on a raft and not a boat. And probably real scientists are not interested in these kind of semantic distinctions that I'm making. Uh, you know, on the other hand, I, I, I'm kind of only interested in the semantic distinctions. So uh, there's where we differ. Um, they're not wrong. Maybe I'm really wrong. I don't know. Or maybe I'm so far off that I'm not. I had a friend who used to say, that's not even wrong. <laughs> like, like you're not even in the conversation. Like, that, that's not an answer at all. That might be where I'm at with this, but I'm forging ahead um, boldly with my monkey brain looking at the bare horizon ahead. You know, of course, the rafting events were probably mostly accidental, uh, but not quite accidental. I mean, it was 900 miles. It was a harrowing voyage of many weeks. And uh, the, the islands, I mean, you know, in the Delta, I've seen huge islands of vegetation that you could literally sit on. And they often have tulies and other upright, uh, you know, vegetation on them that direct their movements. I mean, if they have more above the water, they sail. If they have more below the water, they follow the current. Um, and, and it's a pretty uh, observable thing. Uh, anywhere you have like large river systems uh, in high water, these huge mats will float away. Um, I mean, you know, and, and some of these mats, uh, you know, of rafting material, floating islands, probably had trees on them that that uh, you know caught some favorable wind and currents and and uh, and drifted quickly, but a 900 mile voyage is a long voyage that you have to seriously provision for right now. Um, and so they at least jumped on these mats with a tremendous amount of faith that they were going to get somewhere. And I think that that's just remarkable. I don't know what you want to call this facility. I want to call it language and imagination. But in any case, these early primates were perfectly capable of visualizing a world beyond the horizon. And I think that that's totally fascinating. And, you know, they didn't walk there any more than people walked to the New World. It's doubtful that primates in Africa or humans for that matter, or early humans or pre-humans walked from one place to the next anyway. If you think about, uh, you know, a, a densely forested river system, getting a couple of miles downstream is a very difficult thing to do on foot and a very simple thing to do by boat. And a boat is the natural invention for any culture to make human or otherwise unless you're a you know a bird or a swimming creature and you know if, if the rafting theory is 
is true and it's the one way out um, for these primates, then it would be unlikely that they would end up, um, you know, anywhere else except for in this spot in South America, which not only would be, uh, you know, a favorable wind and current direction from West Africa, um, but also a relatively similar climate. You know, to think that somebody walked from a, uh, you know, from a tropical climate through a frozen tundra and into a desert climate is pretty implausible for a lot of reasons re related to, you know, how they survived and what they knew. The theory that somebody walked across the land bridge and slowly walked their way through the frozen Arctic the far reaches of North America, through the deserts, jungles, and forests of North America, and eventually walked on down to the tip of South America, is getting thinner and thinner every day. So the people who came to these places, like the monkeys, all of the primates and probably several other species that were brought with both the primates and the people, the upper primates and the lower primates, were brought in boats. It seems that rafting becomes the default when there's no other explanation but air travel or astro projection or, or something. But it seems to me that it's the default um, way that humans get around. You know, native people in North America traveled up and down the rivers, particularly on the East Coast. They moved from uh, the interior of the country out to the coast. They'd come out up and down the rivers. They were highways. It was impossible to walk in that uneven ground and densely forested terrain. Um, and the rivers were just a smooth highway. They had very evolved... Boats. We're talking about a much later era, of course, but, you know, so much is lost uh, to posterity through the, the advent of time, particularly when you're building things out of natural and vegetable materials that deteriorate quickly. It's hardly incidental that the oldest sites in the, the Americas of, of human habitation, Cactus, Cactus Hill in Virginia or Mount Verde, uh, you know, in Chile, are uh, near coastal areas or on large river systems and, and are close to these avenues of migration uh, that, that we call water and that you migrate over in boats. And again, it's important to stress the fact that the earliest archaeological evidence of, of early humans can only account for what's left behind. And keep in mind that the period we're talking about was during the last ice age when the water levels were dramatically lower than they are now and the coastline uh, you know the former coastline is now well well under the ocean but in any case we're talking about millions of years after our monkey sailor friends sailed themselves to the various points on the globe that they now inhabit as they explored space before people did, um, though I guess people probably put them up to it, which <laughs> might have also been the case uh, with uh, the sailor monkeys. I don't know. Who could tell? 
I'm 100% not making this up, by the way. The extent to which I fictionalize these narratives has been some topic of, of conversation. They're mostly true as I remember them so far. It's been my principle, not that I'll necessarily stick with that, but here's a BBC.com article. Monkeys suddenly appeared in South America about 40 million years ago. Unlikely though it may seem, they probably sailed there from Africa. Here's one from ZME Science. It seems to be a redacted version of a Smithsonian article that's from 2020. Uh, and it says 30 million years ago, a group of monkeys sailed from Africa to South America. It's one of the craziest explorer stories you'll ever read. That Smithsonian article says, no, these primates were not lashing together rafts and intentionally setting sail for uncharted waters. The process was purely accidental, relying on luck and the fact that the world was different, the, the fact that it was a 900-mile voyage and not a 1,700-mile voyage as it is today. But, you know, a modern 30-foot sailboat like the one I have is lucky to knock off 100 miles a day. So we're talking about a, you know, a 9 to 12 or 14-day voyage now. So for the monkeys to just find their way into the equatorial current which, yeah, it would take them to Brazil uh, in a couple of months, maybe, if they were lucky, without any assistance from standing trees acting as sails and other sort of uh, intervention that I would call seamanship. And even if they were just uh, drifting out there, that alone still requires a kind of determination and persistence and, you know, you might not want to call it intent. You might not have said, hey, let's go, you know, discover the world. But it certainly required either a lot of planning or a lot of uh, resourcefulness just to survive it. And it seems to follow the, the sort of ordinary mode of human discovery they clearly didn't sit down with a globe and say, it looks to be this far away and we'll need this kind of provisioning. But it's doubtful that very many people did that until a very modern era. You know, I mean, one thing we might note about what we call the age of discovery, which started when, you know, European people in the 15th century started spreading around, was that they uh, found people everywhere and we all probably came from a, a very similar source. So, you know, uh, the people they quote-unquote discovered had discovered the places that they were living in so long ago that they'd forgotten that they had done it. So I think that early on, the people who were quote-unquote discovered, not unlike the monkeys, uh, you know, maybe maybe they didn't say, hey, there's got to be something out there. Let's go find it. But rather there was just something in them that said, I'll risk this thing. It might not work out, but I envy the others who left. And I think that that's what is going on here. I mean, they knew at some level that they were, uh, you know, embarking on a crazy and dangerous experiment, but they also knew somehow that it might turn out for them. And I'm suggesting that we inherited this from earlier primates and that it is as essential to us as humans as any other thing we might want to identify as human.
And I guess at a practical level, I just want to add that uh, going about in boats is maybe one of the most essential human activities there is. And yes, I've been around animals and seen them do crazy things. My dog, when we first moved down to the Delta, was fascinated by these floating mats. And like almost every other dog I've seen down there, he decided he was going to try them out as a, as a place to run around on the grass. And he sunk through it and bobbed around in the freezing water, and I had to fish him out. And that's a common enough experience. He didn't do it again, though. And, you know, had these monkeys uh, had a sense that everyone they saw jump on these floating islands and take off before didn't make it, they wouldn't have done it again. And yet, they seemed to have done it over and over again because there's, uh, you know, there's fossil record of one particular group of, of monkeys, but there's, there's strong evidence that several different groups came and that they brought other animals with them. So, you know, I'm interested in traits we share with our uh, non-human friends. I think the distinction between us is much smaller than is usually imagined. Um, the only thing I can think of that's different is that, uh, you know, people cook. And cooking, I think, matters. Other animals have other types of food preparation, by the way, though. You know, Homo erectus was thought to be the, maybe, the first, um, you know, pre-human species to cook. And I think also, not incidentally, they were sailors. And they had language. It's controversial, I understand. Um, you know, not everyone agrees with this. There's an interesting Guardian UK uh, article. They have some interesting stuff. You might notice I cite them often in this. Uh, says, Homo erectus fossils have turned up not only in southern Europe, but as far afield as China and Indonesia. Some argue that the mysterious hominoid Homo fluorescens discovered the island of Flores and could be descended from Homo um, erectus. Others disagree. Um, Oceans were never a barrier to travel of Erectus. He traveled all over the world, traveling to the island of Flores, across one of the greatest ocean currents in the world, said Daniel Everett, professor of global studies at Bentley University and author of How Language Began. They sailed to the island of Crete and various other islands. It was intentional. They needed craft, and they needed to take groups of 20 or so, um, at least, to get to those places. And then he goes on to say... Erectus needed language when they were sailing to the Isle of Flores. They couldn't have simply caught a ride on a floating log because then they would have been washed out to sea when they hit the current, said Everett, presenting his thesis at a meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. They needed to be able to paddle, and if they paddled, they needed to be able to say paddle there or don't paddle. You need communication with symbols, not just grunts. I want to say that I think that has to apply to our monkey friends as well. You know, I understand that, that uh, you know, I make a lot of uh, kind of crazy assertions about, about the sciences. I understand why the disciplines of science need, uh, need this kind of level of certainty, why they need certifiability, not just plausibility or possibility. But in the humanities, we deal with the realm of the possible. We hope to imagine what is possible and make some assertions about uh, what that means to the scope of human uh, 
uh, you know, potential. And so I'm interested in that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, taking to task or second guessing or, or trying to undercut, uh, you know, my colleagues in, in other disciplines. I'm just, uh, wanting to try to assess the potential of early humans, the relationships between humans and non-humans, so that I can frame a different relationship to my own uh, sense of human potential, so that I can think about expanding my capacity as a human being. And that's the ride I'm going on in the podcast, and I uh, am really flattered um, that some of you are at least listening to me, if not joining me on that ride. But, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, there's a raft going over the horizon, and I want to jump on board.